You're listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. When Wave Hill Station was sold in a $104 million deal, Jumbuck Pastoral and its consortium of partners became the fourth ever owner of the iconic station in its 140-year history. It was a sale that said, watch this space. In this episode, we sit down with Matt and Connie Wood, who we last heard from in episode 123, as they prepared to leave their job as managers at Bliner Station in the Kimberley, also owned by Jumbuck Pastoral, to move to Wave Hill Station and take on the mammoth job of managers. Matt and Connie fill us in on the busiest 12 months of their life, which included a new baby, lockdowns, a significant amount of capital expenditure on development works, and all the adventures that have come with it. Matt and Connie, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. Last time you were on the show, we were recording outside late at night at Blinder Station in the West Kimberley, and today we're in the Northern Territory. Just about the same temperature as it was back then in the wet here now today in Catherine. Hang on, we're in the aircon. Calm down. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but outside. (laughs) Yeah. So last time you guys were doing a kind of wrap up on your time at Bliner. Matt had been there for 13 years. Connie, nine or ten, was it? Nine. All goes so fast. Yeah. And it was because you guys were moving to Wave Hill. And now we are here just a little over a year later. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about your first year out at Wave Hill. We are now Territorians. Matt. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a pretty big adventure. For us, um, in, in a lot of ways, both on the work front, but also at home, three little, three kids, three under five. So there's been little sleep and, um, you know, Connie's been, uh, acting as a bit of a single parent this year, I suppose. Dad's been away a lot more than normal. And, um, when I'm there, I'm pretty distracted. So, uh, has been the case for a lot of this year. So been a, Interesting year for us as a family and as a couple as well. What can you tell me about Wave Hill? I'm sure most of our listeners have heard of it. It's quite an iconic station. There's a lot of history attached to it, but I don't actually know much about it in terms of, well, it's not even just Wave Hill. There's actually two stations that kind of make up the property. So, yeah, Wave Hill and Cattle Creek make up the aggregation that uh, our company that we work for, Jumbuck, just bought into in 2021 and that's the fourth owner in its history since 1883, which is quite unusual for an Australian business of any kind. Um, Buchanan's had it and then the Vesties had it and then uh, Western Grazing and then now Jumbuck. So a lot of history, uh, a lot of that based around the Wave Hill walk-off and the handing back of some of the country, uh, the Dargaragu, what's known as Dargaragu now, back by Gough Whitlam in, I think it was 75. Mm, the, um, you know, it's a, probably one of the most iconic cattle stations in Australia and, yeah, famous yeah, for many politically, things. Politically, politically. Politically as well and uh, it's also a hell of a good bit of cattle country. Very beautiful. And uh, we feel quite privileged to – it's actually an honour to get to manage Wave Hill, um, you know, serious one. Tell me about the first time you went and visited Wave Hill because you went out there before you moved there. Yeah, we went for a look in June last year um, and it seems like June last year doesn't seem like that long ago, but it it, uh, it, really it, it seems some, like a long time seems after like what's, a long what's time, happened A lot this of water year, under the bridge and yeah, a lot of miles, a baby – yeah, yeah, all of those things. All those things. So we, uh, yeah, we went for a look in June and Connie and I drove around, uh, the place we did the first two days driving around. We had Govey at the time looked after the kids and we drove around and 
we uh, it was pretty clear early on that there was a, a lot of work to be done uh, to you know to the station, um, and there was some serious capital works to be done. But I remember, and we you know we we were very encouraged by the quality of the water that was underground and what appeared to be pretty good supply. And the other thing that was obviously pretty important is what's on top of the ground, and that's the soil and uh, mm-hmm. what uh, what species of grass it it uh, it carries. And luckily, Wave Hill it carries the you know it's bloody class first class, you know the the variety of um, pasture that grows there in abundance and the sort of the quality of it all is uh, you know second to none really in my book and. Uh, we sort of realised that uh, there was a lot of work to do, but we knew it would all be possible because of the quality of the soil and what grew there. So we were sort of, I think we made up our mind pretty quick and yeah. we knew it was all going to work. Like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you've got a rough idea of what it costs to run a station and, you know, the problems and pros and cons, but when you've got, you know, when you've got the resources that are there, you know that with the right sort of, Capital investment and the right management, it can all be a, a very profitable and uh, profitable business and, and a very enjoyable one to manage. And we also knew it'd be a real challenge and uh, a very rewarding one because you sort of you sort of set out on that challenge with a fair bit of confidence, knowing that you're you're likely to succeed with the backing that you have by the principles that we work for, and because it all adds up, the country's right, and you know. Good baseline of cows there, and you know it sort of, sort of is going to be a home run if if everything goes to plan. So, did you guys know in June last year that you were going to be going to wave, but it wouldn't be until the end of the year, like December or January? I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's right. We we knew we knew that we'd be going, and that we were uh, we had a bit of time, and uh, it was it was time that was well spent. We, hmm. you know, spent a lot of time planning things and considering things and finding out information and. Bits of the chess pieces, chess mm. pieces of the puzzle. So how did that go? Because you were still living at Blina, managing Blina, doing that job, but trying to plan for a whole other station. Like your, your workloads effectively just doubled for those yeah, six months. Was, Plus way, you had a baby. Yeah, yeah. To pop out. Yeah. In a way, is doubling your workload, but um, and the other thing too is that I know personally myself, I was trying to get all of, as much of my knowledge and um, information about Blina down and you know yeah, and all so the stuff i'd done make sure that i handed it over like you know make sure that all the wiring diagrams for the homestead complex and plumbing diagrams were all up to date and all the taps were marked so that the person taking over you know they knew where to go and what to do like you know they you know all of the sort of changes that i'd made and making sure that was all uh, neatly recorded and you know all the you know the, all the trials that run away and all those sorts of things. So there was there was a hell of a lot jammed into that last six months at Blarney. You're right. Yeah, lots of tying up of loose ends and paperwork yep. and and just sort of also sort of adamant to finish a couple of projects that yep. I hadn't finished. So I just wanted water. That was a big that's one. right. Yeah, you know, so there was a lot of projects that needed a lot of loose ends needed tying off and. You know, just personal things that you, little milestones and goals that I'm going to get this done before I leave and, you know, th- those sorts of things. Yeah. How do you go about moving from one station to another? Cause it's not exactly like popping the kids in the car and filling up a U-Haul trailer. You guys no, had a, well, a little bit more gear like than that. When, when I moved there 13 years ago, everything I had fitted on the back of a Commodore U and, uh, it was <laughs> when he left, he took a sea container to yeah. Wayfield. Well, that's what marriage and kids will do to you, I suppose. <laughs> a few horses, chickens. Yeah. We even we carted the chickens, chickens across the, well, Matt took across the chickens, Duncan Road in the middle of uh, October. Just the end for, of October. End of October across the Duncan Road with some chickens. I remember I remember getting out every 50 k's or so and tipping a water bottle on the hessian over the top of them to try and keep them cool. Because Harry so. had to have his chickens. And what, what actually happened is that Connie had kind of worked out all right. Um, Connie and the kids had to go down to Perth. Um, they were planning on going down for Connie's last few weeks of pregnancy. So they were close to a hospital and all that. And I was going to basically move solo with, with one or two of the ringers from Bliner. We're going to help me move. 
which was good, you know, like we'd be, we wouldn't have to worry. We could just camp overnight on the side of the road and all those sorts of things and not have to worry about feeding the kids and it's having everything unpacked in time. down the Duncan Road pregnant yeah, truck. wasn't going to be much fun pre- moving a very heavily pregnant wife in North Australia and in uh, October. Yeah, sort of a bit like doing a second round a bit too late <laughs> with you breeding cows, really, stuff. Yeah. Didn't um didn't you head off the day like the morning after your going away party? Yes, he did. Correct. Wasn't yeah. that right? And someone had written in the back of the truck like Blinder Station, like Chicken, Chicken Express or something, yeah. Hot Chook Express or something. Yeah, no, it was just a bit of a time pressure. The um, owner owner of Jumbuck was going to be across at Wave Hill, and I had to be there. At, you know that sort of following night to start sort of inspection of and sort of handover. Yeah, no, so no. There, there was a bit of time pressure to get the party and then take the first load of gear over and, and then I had to come back for a second load after that. So mm. there was a bit of time pressure and Connie actually had to bail out a couple, two days before our farewell yeah. party because of um, she sort of got some information from the, the a scan, handy. a pregnancy scan things weren't quite right and it sort of turned out to be a false alarm but we couldn't take it cheap so she had to get herself down to King Edward, be close down there for a, a, a more detailed scan. So, so yeah, we had, had a big night at the party and uh, – Not me. I wasn't there. I was in Perth. I well, missed I had enough of a away. good night for both of us and then we um, – the next day I got a good friend of mine to drive me in the truck <laughs> to Halls Creek because I couldn't really keep my eyes open. Don't so. really want to name who that friend was. <laughs> So, Connie, did you trust Matt to, I guess, do the move or was that pretty hard no. for you to – She'd done most of the packing. I had – I packed everything uh, like over the – it actually worked out well that I was quite organised because when the obstetrician told me there might be a problem with the baby, we had to go and just – and go to Perth. So, I had packed most – I had packed just about everything and then had to trust Matt and a couple of ringers to load up the sea container. So, yeah, it was a little – but surprisingly, there was uh, nothing was broken. Nothing got broken. Yeah, there's a go. few rub marks and a few things, but they actually—I think it was due to my good packing. But <laughs> not from very their good careful driving. loading and packing. I in doubt the it was containers. you and Cody and uh, Rhino. And Rhino, Rhino was busted. Yeah, that but was a—it was—it was a big team effort getting yeah. that sea container loaded. Yeah. So yes, it, short answer: I packed it all, but it was difficult to let go of the reins. But I didn't really have a choice. And so you guys were in Perth for Christmas. Yep. Just after the arrival mm-hmm. of little Johnny. Yep. And then you headed to Wave. So yes. driving, flying, how do we get there? Matt, so when we had to skedaddle to Perth, I flew with the children and thank goodness my mum, Sue, was at the station with us. She was going to drive. We originally had planned to drive to Perth. So I, I flew down to get to the, um, to get to this as another scan, but mum drove our vehicle down. And then when Matt, um, eventually got to Perth. Uh, he actually, Matt, had to Bit of quarantine. A story about that too. That's right. COVID broke out in the Northern Territory and I was 36 weeks pregnant and I said to Matt, get your bum over the state border. And he's like, no, no, it'll be fine. They won't close the, they won't close the border. Guess what happened? They closed the border. And then guess what else happened? Matt had to quarantine and guess what? I was really grumpy. <laughs> yeah, because you were locked in the little I was house. Little house, mum's little kids. unit in Perth with two kids, heavily and, and pregnant, about to carve. And, uh, and as I, far as Connie thought, I was lying on a lying on the watching movies on a couch in a motel room, having <clears throat> the best two weeks of my life. Well, and, I would have liked to have gone into quarantine at that point. And then to make it worse, Matt asked me for the Netflix and the stand passwords. And I was like, <laughs> it's weird to think of Matt Wood watching Netflix or Stan. I, well, I thought I you would have just been climbing the walls. He and was. He w- did a lot renovated of renovated the whole house. I actually got yeah. a lot done, yeah. um, mostly Wave Hill. So yeah, I put yeah, together a heap of plans, like he's a bit trying of a to get me to review plan programs and, a, and all this sort of stuff. He's like, can you look at this? I want. Can you give me an answer on this? And I'm like, mate. That quarantine no. time, I'd sort of wrote notes for, and plans for Wave Hill and yeah. requisition gear and materials and sort of had a, a lot of things worked out, even sort of, you know, the fencing plan and had all the sort of scope of works for various contractors worked out. And I'd, uh, it was, it was actually a super productive time of my life. I got a hell of a lot achieved in two weeks. Like, and they couldn't understand why I couldn't like read over it and, and give him comment. You're like, and our children are trying to set the house abuse. on fire. <laughs> and I just cop abuse it of an evening for yeah. not being there. Yeah. And, well, yeah, anyway. not every evening, just most. Some, most. <laughs> 
every right. second. Anyway, so that happened, and then we had Jonathan. Did you, did you get out of quarantine in time for the birth? Just, just, just. Probably two, two or three days. Two or three days. So I remember saying to the midwives, like, what? Because we were trying to appeal it because he'd only ever been at Wave, no, not in any of the towns, and of course they could not let someone who'd been in a hotspot inverted commas come into a hospital at all so they said to me well you have to do facetime while you're in labor and I'm like, i couldn't i couldn't think of it yeah, we obviously worse. spent a fair bit of time trying to trying, trying to get to sort of an exemption or a special sort of circumstances and no. you know i'd sort of said i'm happy to volunteer for whatever testing needs requirements or yeah west australian government were very very strong very about strong, that they wouldn't, wouldn't budget all of it you know sort of understand rules are rules and yeah. you know but it was yeah quite a frustrating thing yeah, very um, frustrating. to to sort of be told very that you you could be a couple of suburbs away in a free country and not be able to attend yeah, literally the birth Matt was of your like third seven child. k's away like I was, yeah, we were in a city Perth. And we didn't, we didn't, uh, bring the kids past for a wave or anything because we knew no, it would just, just make them worse. So remembering that actually already been gone for some time, like I, there was probably about a five or six week because mm. by the time I moved and did a few weeks work at wow. uh, Wave Hill under the old regime, um, I did, a, you know, learning my way around it a bit and getting a bit of a handle on things. Probably been by the time that happened and quarantine, it would have been five, nearly six yeah. weeks since. I'd seen the kids. Yeah. So it was um, – we sort of – we tried to keep them yeah. away. Like Saying would, Daddy was still in the Northern Territory. very upset seeing you but not being able to hug them, you yeah. know. So, yeah. So yeah. that all happened and we had Jonathan and Matt drove our car up um, via Kununara and Ooh. out to Wave Hill and I flew up with a newborn, two children and my mother who is a saint – um, and Matt had our car trucked up and I got in our car at Darwin and, and we drove, we spent a couple of nights in Darwin and we drove out to Wave. So to start our year. you get to Wave, what's the first thing you do? Besides turn on the air. I was there about a week before, Connie, yeah. and, yeah, first thing was um, sort of hand over from the outgoing manager and then just get my head around the waters. So mm. it was still quite dry for January at that stage, so we are under immense watering pressure yeah. pretty early. So it was all about bore runs and I remember filling my uh, – the first bore run I ever did at Wave Hill, like the day I took over, I loaded up the back seat of my jewel cab with farm bots and uh, – by that night, I'd covered a few bores and whacked a few farm bots up, and uh, Wave Hill just seemed just a sh- just a shade smaller. And it's still everything, big, though. everything, um, everything was about water early on. Yeah, and trying to get some country that we'd planned to wean into, get any you know, a lot of fences were down and yeah. creek crossings and gates and stuff. So we had to try and uh, I sort of had two or two young fellows there and the Wave Hill Originals, and we. Um, Oh, gee. You know, it had come across from Bliner with us and we we just needed to punch out a bit of country so we had somewhere to draw, like, you know, brand wieners into a little bit and of store sale cattle. So we sort of, you know, the cattle were quite boxed and so it was basics, real basics, get a few paddocks secure and keep the water up and then um, start, start making sure that our gear was ready to go. We were sort of, mm-hmm. you know, seven weeks off starting mustering. So yeah. we needed to get on top of everything from, you know, building maintenance to setting up, decking out a camp kitchen for the mustering camp and a camp trailer and all of these things uh, and getting all our vehicles and machinery up to speed. How many cattle and watering points are there at Wave or so, when you got there, I suppose? So when, um, yeah, when Jumbuck now. bought Wave Hill, it had 76 boars. Uh, it's got about 106 now. Mm. In uh, the short space, of less than two years that John Bucks had it, yeah. um, and bought it with about forty thousand head on the place, and, and that's what's currently on there at the moment. But Wave Hill, you know, uh, has at times carried north of sixty thousand, and uh, we sort of think when we get it developed how we'd like to, it'll probably carry sixty all day long, and hopefully a little bit better. Mm. So for listeners that aren't familiar with what you just said about farm bots, can you explain what they are? Oh, just remote monitoring devices for water. Uh, so satellite telemetry uh, enables you to plot a graph 
you know, every 15 minutes it measures the weight of the water pressure above a sensor. So suddenly having a few eyes around the, on on a place that big, very important. So a farm bot sort of tells you how much, in layman's terms, tells you how much water you've got in trough. So it gives you a percentage. Oh, sorry, in your tank, um, how much you've got in your tank. So you can sort of, and whether it's sort of the water level's going up or it's going down or it's steady. So you can look on an app and also now we've got cameras, haven't we? So we can look at the troughs and see mm. if there's anything stuck in the trough or if there's any leaks or anything like that. So just for yeah, those people who haven't. I've got about 30 farm bots at Wave now. Yeah. And so the so 76 water points when you got there, how long would it take you to get around every single water point or how, how many hard. different runs did you have to split that yeah, into? Yeah, so now at Wave Hill there's basically four driven bore runs uh, like and they take you a full day basically yeah. by the time you clean some troughs and strain some fences up and service a few of the um, Kubotas. It's a full day. There's four runs that take basically a full day. We uh, also use utilise as a fixed wing aeroplane there yep. that's utilised for bore running so he'll go and like sort of do a, a run over and he'll – you know, sort of troubleshoot or, you know, spot any problem areas that the guys can go out and if that if there's a tank that's too low or something, the guys that's can go out. That's basically been the strategy this yeah. year. The plane yeah. does it and there's a, a check sheet uh, which they bring back. Yeah. takes uh, now with those extra bores up and going, it's close to eight hours of flying time. Straight flying. Turbo 182. Yeah. He's got to come home and get fuel and go to the other yeah. side. So yeah. eight and that's hours all low-level flying in the heat and, and So down it's a massive area. And, it's a big uh, job for the guys who it takes steer a, them. You know, yeah, and that's a 182 turbo with, you know, going no, hard to get around no all those tanks and troughs. So Ooh, they're able to yeah, – so it's sweet. a massive area and then we're able to use that information to target with a bit of strategy. Yeah. So on a place that big you sort of haven't got time to waste going to tanks yeah. that are full or, you yeah. know, that everything's okay at. So it was uh, just sort of problems first and then yeah. uh, go from there. So, so does that mean all the tanks are open so you can no, see? They, no, a lot, of the, a lot of the closed tanks have got a busy ball. So it's a it's a plastic ball on a rod and like it rises up and one. down with the water. Oh. And it's sort of it's on a rod, it sticks up so you can see. Obviously, if the tank's full, the little the, the fluorescent ball's up high and if it's, you know, halfway through, well, it's halfway down and then if it's empty, it's down the bottom. Okay. Yep. And yeah. so four bore runs, does one person do those like one a day, two? four days? Okay, no, no, two. so two – Two bore runners this year just gone. Um, and they'd sort of, the plane would do an overall run over the week. And yeah, they'd basically, it just depended a lot on what, cause we're trying to get, what we wanted to do this year was utilize our time really well. Yeah. So if we're going to improve infrastructure, you need time. So you don't need to be bashing through caves to get to a trough that can, and a tank that is okay and mm-hmm. you could leave for two days. So, yeah. uh, We've, we sort of did the bores in a bit of a fragmented run this year. So the idea was the plane would cover it and then the next day those two bore runners would try and cover off all of the issues and important things and that would give us sort of three or four days grace mm. to get something else done. And then, you know, obviously we had longer periods during the, you know, cooler months mm. and then, you know, we were back under the pump keeping water up as soon as the hot weather rolled around in September. But aside, like people, uh, you know, there's the argument with farm bots, oh, the ball runs more than a ball run, you're checking fences and cattle condition. But I just want to just note that all of that stuff was still happening because we had people, you know, going mustering and, and checking fences as well as that. So that's one portion that Matt's talking about it, but it doesn't mean that all that other stuff wasn't happening because I know that's an argument that people say that's, you know, in as a, as a con to farm bots and electronic water monitoring that the those other things aren't happening but I just want to say that they they still were happening with fairly tight infrastructure yeah. there was yeah. always a lot you of problems like there'd be a couple of floats that you know or troughs that were overflowing creating a flood and then there'd be no water getting to a trough at another site where there'd be a blocked delivery line or there'd be a leak in the delivery line which was you know losing water out of the turkey nest or whatever it may be and you know there's belts off at motors and motors stopped and you know, lots of issues. So yeah. the first few months was real sort of just troubleshooting and yeah. just uh, keeping keeping water up to cattle into troughs. Yeah. And then any spare time we had, we would invest that into improving things. So mm-hmm. replace a lot trough line completely and, yeah. uh, you know, new troughs and later on we'll probably get to a bit of all that, but we did. But we've done a, a massive push uh, 
both station labour, like direct employees, and also several contractors that has been involved at Wave Hill this year, and there's been a massive push on improving and upgrading the infrastructure. And now we're currently getting away a lot, a lot easier on the bore side of things yeah. than we were less than 12 months ago. Yeah. So things are operating a lot simpler for us at the moment. So did you say, so the 40,000 head that were there when you came over, was that 40,000 breeders? No, that was total, total animal. Total, okay. So is that similar to Bliner then? Because did no. you have about? Bliner, just- Bliner around about 20, 23, oh. 24,000 head. Yep. 10 and a half, 11,000 uh, okay. breeders. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you basically, again, yeah, doubled your Double. workload. Yeah. Um, how many water points did you have at Bliner? So at Bliner, we had about the same, 70 odd. Okay. Yeah. So you can, at Wave Hill, there's a lot more pressure on those individual yeah. water points. Yeah. Hence, hence the stress. Um, and yeah, and the sort of a bit more angst around the waters at, at Wave compared to Bliner. Now, I know, as you just said, you guys have done a hell of a lot of infrastructure development this year. Like, you took me for a little drive around the Homestead Complex, Matt, and showed me some of the, the piping, I guess, that you've cut up mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the – and so that's the other thing is you're not just getting new stuff and you're really recycling old yeah. stuff. So can you tell us a bit about what you've oh, done look, on the water side? Yeah, so I'd probably the big – the main ones, you know, like we turned – Wave Hill had 76 spores and there was – Probably about nine or ten of those were solar. Uh, this the rest were all belt driven monos. Uh, this year we've moved over to Lorenz Solar. Twenty of those, so twenty bores that we were having to be at basically every second day, and now ticking away under their own steam. You know, which has been a lot of work uh, and a lot of cost. You know, doing that, but Huge cost. suddenly we, you know, you sort of deal with your ten biggest issues first, Steph. You just suddenly have a whole bit, lot more breathing space to deal with your next 10 issues. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a snowball in reverse. Yeah. Your problems unwind. So, uh, we, we had a contractor come across and show us how to set these Lorenzes up. And we basically did 13 in a month, mm-hmm. 13. So that was one every two days that got changed over. And that's not a lot, but when you've got to pull the existing bore, cut away all the motor slab and frame pull down the tripod, the fences and compounds around it, drag away the field drums, sort of like make make room and then auger holes to concrete in posts. And, and to put the, so put whole the new solar, solar up, away. So. Like actually a fair bit of work, um, you know, and to do that. So we're basically pulling a bore every second day for a month mm-hmm. plus keeping all the other bores running. So there was – and this was all happening during our first round of mustering. So there was a, a hell of a lot happening in the months of – April and May this year. It was, uh, it was just sort of organized chaos. So we sort of had a, a yeah. crew close to 30. And then yeah. there was a time there we had five contractors on the place. So there was often 50 people. And that was people just with infrastructure Hill. works, not co- contract masters. That was just all infrastructure and then fencing, our, our two yard camps. extensions and buildings, tank building, 12 new tanks. Um, and then, you know, yeah. And then these solar guys. So there was, mm. Yeah, five contractors and an earth mover doing tank pads for the Rhino tank. So, yeah, it was there was a hell of a lot going on in a in a couple of months there. Where it was just it was absolute just mayhem everywhere, in and out. Just, just it was insane. So the the duplex on the radio was sort of going all day. Where it was sort of you know finding out how far a mob of cattle were from yards, and um, you know I was sort of finding myself flat out. I was trying to do a lot with the cattle as well. Obviously, I'm. Uh, I'm a lay spayer and preg tester and uh, did the first couple of musters on horseback and got the guys all sorted and knew they were all over that. And then I spent a lot of time in the yard, so I was sort of controlling these contractors from a handheld hanging up in the crush mm-hmm. where I was preg testing and spaying and trying to sort of knock the wave hill herd in the direction that we want to. How the hell did you keep, I guess, your eye on all of that? Like that's... A lot of irons in the fire and it would have been very easy for it to all go to absolute shit. Yeah, and just some great people around us. Yeah, absolutely wonderful support in your head stockmen, in your boremen. Great head stockmen, great bore runners, uh, runners. machinery operators. Just you're only as good as your crew. Moving, you know, and keeping the comms happening from the homestead and, you know, because there's areas where we need to relay messages from and uh, there was sort of a road train, a triple road train arriving every week with troughs and – Pipe and steel and, uh, you know, 
plus all the cattle stuff that was going on and helicopters flying around everywhere. And yeah. no, it was great fun. And then uh, we brought up a bit of a secret weapon, brought my father <laughs> up for Ward. six weeks and uh, who's a, uh, you know, very experienced station manager and obviously, uh, you know, thinks much the same as I do about infrastructure stuff and, his main role for that six weeks was supplying the contractors with materials. So he'd sort of head off with a uh, truck and dog trailer every morning. And an um, offsider. Loaded with troughs and pipe and steel and concrete cement powder and aggregate in bags and he'd like roll up at a site, run leave a bloke to unload the truck and then he'd run around with a tape measure and check everything with the contractor and he would sort of, he was quite good at drafting out any of the smaller issues. Yeah. Uh, he sort of knew what I wanted and he had a file that I'd done up when I was, uh, in my quarantine there with all the specs and designs of everything we were building. And but he left you know, out the flat. Yeah. And he was, he was able to sort of check things off and make sure they were, make sure everything was right. And he'd just sort of relay any, any of the bigger issues. He'd get a hold of me on the radio and, uh, he'd be like, what do you want to do here? And, uh, We'd make it a call on the spot and get it done and he'd go and shift some pegs or something that I'd driven in to make the whole thing work and, you know, all of those things. So, no, it was very chaotic time. We had some great head stockmen, some great yeah. ringers in the stock camp, yeah. uh, a really fantastic set of bore runners and some good machinery operators. Yeah. And it was and a fantastic cook back at the homestead that uh, – Kept everyone. She was just no, you know. Just had it all covered. You have up. all you hear these horror stories about cooks, and Evie is like just the dream rainbow unicorn cook that you want. She's just. And then she she um, kept us yeah, all sane, be, all fed. Just and she's then the just fencing awesome. con. She'd have everything sorted, and the fencing contractors would ever rip through and raid mm. her kitchen and head out with more food. Nothing was a drama. It Nothing was, was just, ever a drama. She took it all in. She a made stride, so. our life so much easier. That I mean, they all did, but particularly for me because I've deal with the cooks directly she just you know nothing was ever a drama i've been really blessed the last four years with our cooks and hopefully next year we've got another one really good lady lined up so but you know we did have an amazing crew around us and i don't think without a crew of that of such a high caliber as what we had it would not have been as i wouldn't say easy because it wasn't easy it was a challenge but it was it wouldn't have been achievable. As, as achievable or as um, yeah. as fun as it no, was. It was actually big, fun. Like it's ca- it was chaos, but it was fun. It was. It was a yeah. lot of fun. So there not was, every day. There was, but. Um, <laughs> it was, and it was. Uh, it was actually, I you know, I found I was just too busy to lose my shit. Really, yeah. I had to keep you didn't have thinking time. on my feet to think about how we're going to deal with it. So, yeah. but we we sort of knew it was an ambitious thing to pull on, and you know, it was a. It was a dis- calculated decision to go that hard. We sort of, you know, we had a, a real dream team of a crew, yeah. um, a red hot cattle market. So yeah. finances were good. And, you know, everything sort of the stars sort of all aligned. And we had, we had the opportunity to go that hard and it was a real gamble, but it certainly paid off. Yeah, and, definitely. uh, you know, we just went flat for a few months there. It was just proper chaos. I but think good. At this, at the rate at which all of us went this year certainly isn't sustainable um, from an economic or, or personal point of view. Like it just, it was quite unprecedented how how hard everybody went. But it's, I think, from now on, things will still be busy. But this first year has just been, um, yeah, unprecedented is a word that comes up a lot. But it's it's yeah. just a bloody good start. Yeah, great really start. Good start out of the blocks for yeah, us for at us Wave Hill. So, yeah. you know, it's it's great. I have to know when Papa Bear Ross left that manual out in the flat. Did you ever find it again? Yes. Okay. That's how Just- we knew he left it out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this whole time I've been like, wait, you didn't finish the story. Like, what happened? So if we, I guess if we kind of, uh, look- I think, you know, but yeah, he was particularly helpful. A wise great. old owl, uh, you know, keeping an eye on things and. He sort of picked up on a lot of things that I overlooked, uh, and he'd sort of remind, you know, point out an issue with something that I hadn't realized was going to be an issue, and it was incredibly helpful. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, having your dad around for me, it yeah. certainly brings out the best in me. And, Definitely. you know, I, uh, yeah, so that, that was, that was good. Yeah, He's was- got a pretty good gig. I ran into him in, at Royal Inner Station, yeah. which your brother manages yeah. for Jumbuck, Jumbuck, back in February. 
or March, February, I want to say. And then, yeah, he's been up at Wave. So he's visited both or two yeah, of his three stations. His sons and his grandchildren. Yeah, making sure they're running a good show. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. looking back on the infrastructure development, so you, how many solars did you convert? 20 solars, 12 yep. new tanks, um, 48 new troughs on concrete slabs, you know, for aprons. We've, and we've done a heap of re-plumbing of existing tanks and troughs. So uh, getting away from old galve steel plumbing that was above ground and had holes all through it with a sort of a variety of patch jobs on them. And then we've probably turned, sort of saved another 70 or 80 steel troughs that the steel was in good condition but needed a bung welded in them and a float guard welded on the front of them and all of that and then re-plumbed into them. So we've been through crates and crates of poly and PVC fittings. It's been an uh, unbelievable amount of plumbing work. Wore out a brand-new trencher on the skid steer <laughs> uh, and, you know, already. And, yeah, it's been been a pretty big year on the yeah. – or everything aimed mostly at water this year yeah. and a bit of fencing and yard stuff. So – and then all these solar – new tanks needed a cable and post and rail and cable yard around them. The and The solars all needed a – um, you know, post and rail enclosure around them to protect them from the stock and all that sort of stuff. So, and then we, you know, obviously needed to get all of this gear from the lay down at Wave Hill Homestead out to site. Sometimes, so, firstly, to Wave Hill in the first instance and then out. Yeah. So it's sort of um, it was, a lot of logistics in yeah. moving machinery and trucks around just to try and supply this kind of stuff. So, yeah. and then. On the top of all this was a sort of first round of mustering, which we yeah. knocked over in about nine or ten weeks uh, of the breeders. And first then, round. And then we, uh, you know, threw all the sale cattle and dry stock and then uh, then a real solid couple of months of maintenance work there, about five or six weeks, where we just, you know, went very hard with plumbing and infrastructure. And then a second round to finish off late in the year where we got back over all our breeders again, which was nice. And the... You know, the crew and ourselves got to a few drafts, so, drafts, which was, you know, important that they had a bit of a life as well. Absolutely. So we sort of fitted everything around the camp drafts and rodeos this year. So that, that galve pipe that you said you were taking out and replacing with poly. Yeah, we cut pipe. up all the stuff that's yeah, kind so of got some structural use still. Yeah, uh, tell me your plans for it. cut that in for, for uh, strainer posts when we fence the southern desert next year. So. Yeah. You know, or everything that can be used again will be used again. So whilst it's no good, you know, to carry water anymore, some of the, you know, sections of it have got enough wall left that they'll be useful as a um, strainer post, you know. I just love that recycling. Jump like, up. Yeah, because I guess like way. what else would you do with it? Or And I, don't, I wonder how much money you'd save bringing in a new pipe for strainer post. Yeah. So, and so you just mentioned the development in the south of the station. So. Yeah. Of the – how big is, is Wave Hill Aggregation? Oh, the whole lot's about 3 million three acres. Million. Okay. And at time of purchase, it was sort of somewhere around 55% developed. Yeah. Okay, so only 55% of the landmass had waters put on yeah, it. Yeah, it would be used you know, for cattle. Sort of sometimes cattle would use that country, really you know. Drift out in the wet know, season. Through drought and whatnot and, uh, and also the wet season, but not sort of permanent waters under a, you know, grazing radius. So we, we um, developed – a 1,500 square k's of country this year and stocked that for the first time, which was really nice. So marched sort of five, uh, sorry, 4,000 heifers out to that country this year in uh, late June, which was very satisfying for everyone involved, sort of pioneering the eastern desert, we call Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, wants to call it the eastern block. Now we want to, now we want to send it, you know, send it south to, uh, want to start developing to the south. What's the plan? How long do you think it will take to develop the entire property? I mean, there's time restraints, but also a lot of capital restraints like that. Yeah, and it's a huge. A lot of that depends on yeah. how the market fares, yeah. Steph. You know, like the obviously it needs capital to fund it, and uh, you know that's we need need the market to stay with us. We'll, we'll probably do it in somewhere five to ten years. Mm. You know, if the market stays with us, so. And then a bit of that country is a little less marginal. Uh, sorry, yeah, a little, little is a little more marginal and a little less productive. So how hard we venture into that will be determined by the results we glean from it. So there's certainly plenty of it which we know will be 
um, good breeder country. Uh, lick and a bit of fire have changed a lot of marginal country in North Australia and made that uh, made it possible to get a return on investment on. And, uh, you know, some of that will just depend on how that all sort of plays out for us, how quickly we develop it. So due to the size of the place and the number of cattle it carries and the number number of people you need just to to run it, it's always going to be a busy place to live and work yeah, at. But yeah. hopefully going forward with the rest of the development, unlike this year, I guess you'll kind of chip away at it a bit more yeah. as this year was just like a yeah. – it almost felt like one of those shows where they come in and run our house over yeah. a weekend, like for a surprise on yeah. Oprah yeah. or something. Yeah, it's a good and that's, that's kind of like comparison. what you've done, like a giant yeah. renovation on a station. Yeah, yeah. In, no, sort yeah. of, you know, and then – you know, there's there's hundreds of other things that happen too, you know, like new gateways put in and box sections where fences were falling over and creek lines mm. done, you know, a bit of erosion control and hundreds and hundreds of things happen. You know? yeah. And it, so it was it's a good start, but there's plenty more to do. And uh you know how quickly that happens we'll you know, we'll just have to sort of play that year. There's by a year. few factors at play. You know, not only the it depends on the skill of your staff too and availability of contractors and mm, finances, all of those things. There's so many variables that can affect. And then, you know, and a lot happened with the cattle as well. So, yeah. you know, we're heading back to Grey Brahmin herd. So what Wave Hill used to have a, a very famous Grey Brahmin herd, uh, if you were on the clock back sort of 20 years. And then for lots of different reasons, they sort of moved into a crossbred operation with uh, – Droughtmaster, Senegas, um, Charolais, and also Red Brahmin influence. And then you throw in a few shorthorns off the Vic River. So the Wave Hill's co- currently got a bit of a composite going on. There's a, a lot of different styles of animal there. And we're wanting to head it back to a grey Brahmin. The foundations herd. of that Wave Hill grey herd is still there. Like yeah, it's right, still, there's, there's still a lot of grey beautiful grey Brahmins there. And you can see that the the bones are still there, so to speak. But anyway, it's a lot uh, of cleaning John up. Buck want to want to head back to a grey herd, and you know we've we've invested a lot in young bulls. Mm. Uh, you know, nearly four hundred new bulls have arrived there in the <gasps> two years since John Buck has owned. Four hundred, yeah. And uh, you know, sort of anything that's not a grey Brahmin's been moved on, and uh, where you know we've been going hard with the spaying tool. So I think personally, this year I've spayed over thirteen hundred myself. Uh, breeding cows. So we're, we're, uh, you know, we're heading the herd in the direction that we would like and that we think is the best foot forward. Talk to me about the temperament of the cattle that you inherited. Cause I know that's something you guys are really pleased about and reflects really well on, on all the people that have come before you at Wave Hill. Yeah. Absolutely so pleasantly surprised. They're we're just incredibly beautiful surprised temperament. at how, uh, lovely the herd there are. There's been some great work done both. In the air and on the ground mm. with the cattle at Wave Hill and a lot of great education yeah. to the young, young cattle, cattle in the last, you know, three or four years. It's a credit to the people who full were there credit, before us. Uh, full credit to those involved. You know, they're, they're fantastic. And Wave Hill is also, you know, fairly open and, uh, easy, you know, easy sort of country to muster. Some light creek lines and, you know, a lot of good open country. And, uh, so it sort of lends itself to having quiet cattle. Well, uh, having to bash them through the waddle and bash them through the scrub, they can get nice, easy runs and easy yeah, so it's sort of win on them. All of that, but you know they're they're fantastic, and we found them you know lovely to work oh, both in and out pleasure. in the yard and on on a horse yeah. and motorbike. They're yeah. fantastic. So full credit to yeah. those involved with Previous with years. that work. That's nothing to do with us. That's no, that's, that's been what we've inherited, and they're just mm. absolutely unreal. Pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised, and, and we look forward to you know maintaining that yeah. standard. So speaking of things you've inherited, um, you also inherited a local pilot who's yes. flown away for many years. So I just yep. feel yeah. like we should give him a shout out because you said, you know, some of the work that's been done in the air is obviously an influence on how the cattle yeah. are today. So, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, just the local, this guy, Zeb, uh, Zeb. hell of a, Zeb Leslie, hell of a good man. Yeah. The, um, you know, the ring is we're calling him God because like if you're like looking around, there's an issue you're like Zeb, he's just there. <laughs> he just knows. Who knows? He, Zeb knows. He, I think there's a couple of things I want to say about Zeb. Um, one is he's most elite mustering pilot. He's Unreal. up there with the best, you know, wild cattle off the river, 
cows and calves. You're going to embarrass Guy him. stock. He just got it all covered. He's an all-rounder with that. And uh, you can see that the how the cattle at Wave Hill react to a helicopter with calm respect. Yeah. It's just a full credit to the person that's been in charge of the other choppers working there as well. Yeah. So, you know, full credit on that front. Uh, on a, he's been, he's got such a wealth of knowledge of yeah. Wave Hill, having been there as a, you know, as a ringer as well as a pilot for, you know, 15 years. I think he spent on the place yeah. in total, something Both like that. Both on the ground and in the air. And so and he knows bores, he knows the history and he understands why things were built here, why that was done like this. And he's also seen seven or eight different managers come through yep. Wayville. So he knows all of the – he's seen everything being tried from all different angles. And he knows what's worked and what hasn't. And he's he's happy to back you. But if you ask his opinion, he'll give you his, yeah. your honest – his honest appraisal. And uh, he's – one of his great skills is how he mentors and trains some young kid who's out there uh, on the back fence on a motorbike in the morning – that kid was just on his sort of second or third muster um, and very green and Zeb will steer him around but then make him do it. So he'll, in sort of flying over there and taking over to whack things back into shape when they're getting a bit of a spread on down at Creek, he'll in, he'll talk them through it mm-hmm. and tell them how to put them back together. That's stay that out ability of it. And that to- kid, next week he's just a little bit better mm. and he comes back he comes back with his head up higher, he feels good about his day, he's learnt something. And he's been an important part of it, and he's better again, and better again, and better again. I think it's one thing that. to have that knowledge, but it's another. It's a real skill to be able to impart that knowledge onto other people and get them have them take it on. I think from what I've heard and a little bit that I've seen, um, Zeb really does have that. Um, yeah, very it's a special. Gift. It is a gift. Hey, um, you know, in sort of encourages these guys to be better, and uh, you know, and makes them better, and hmm. you know, to. Uh, first year head stockman at Wave Hill this year, and you know Zeb gave them the confidence to Absolutely. get it done. Yep. So yep. you know, like without taking over, you know, at all, like without stepping on their toes or belittling them in any way, just just sort of back them and encourage them, and, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, we're very lucky to have Zeb. Very Absolutely. very lucky, and just a great sounding board. Yep. If I've got an idea, it's a good about, human. If I've got an idea about mastering or infrastructure. A yard thing or a yard up wing or whatever. He's the first person I run it by and I get a, I get a really considered opinion yeah. on everything from Zeb. And I think it's just fantastic having yeah. that kind of help available to you. He's such a good resource. Yeah. And he's also, you know, Zeb and his fat wife, Kylie and their family have also become fast friends. And yeah. that's, you know, and that's important too. Switching up gears a little bit, I want to talk about family life this mm-hmm. year because I know you said Connie's been a bit of a single mum, but I also know the other night, Matt, you were talking about how you've had to make some calls about not spending, you know, because you just, it's, Wave is kind of like a revolving door of visitors. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been in demand a lot this year, but you've really also had to prioritise coming home and actually seeing your family. Absolutely. So, you know, um, it just sort of feels like there's someone's parents or relatives visiting or uh, someone selling, you know, whether they're an industry rep or a stock agent or uh, truck drivers or various suppliers and, you know, business, people that have business dealings in at Wave Hill. And, you know, you, you sort of uh, – in I know at Bliner I used to make a lot of effort to spend time with these guys. Uh, you know, they'd, they'd sort of made a big trip to Wave Hill to sort of come and see you. And this year, unfortunately, I kind of felt I had to blow them off a little mm. bit. So as I, I wasn't seeing my wife or my kids anywhere near enough. And I was sort of, you know, I was, something had to give. And, uh, I sort of made a fairly conscious decision to, you know, have a very quick chat with these people, drop down one quick beer and then get myself back to my kids before, while I could. Um, I just, you know, yeah, had to, something had to give and, uh, I sort of asked a hell of a lot from my wife and family this year and I need to need to be mindful of that. How is it for you, Connie? Well, three children under five, you sort of are in a black hole. You just you're just busy. And there's plenty of people with more children and but 
yeah, it was it was still a good year. It was busy for me in a different way. Like I was sort of less out. I wasn't out as much as I would have normally liked to be. Um, and it was certainly no walk in the park, but you are busy and you're sort of running with it. So it wasn't actually as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like I'm not saying it was a walk in the park, but I have had for the last sort of six months a really good, well, since June, really good govy and good support and great support amongst um our homestead staff as well and from our crew as well. Like being able to get out for me is really important and I was able to get out a little bit, not as much as I'd like, as I said, but yeah, like you just have to be, sometimes you just have to bite your tongue as something annoys you or you just just have to let a lot a lot more go than you would normally. Um, pick your times, but yeah, I suppose it was it was actually okay. I have a lot more respect for people who are single parents. <laughs> Not that I didn't have respect for them before, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, very, very busy time, especially with, um, we moved to Wave Hill with a six week old baby, um, and a four year old and a two year old. So oh, Imogen had a second birthday, but, um, as well as navigating Harrison's first year at school of the year and, had a couple of gubbies our coming first, though. Our first year of governess and school age no, children. We had we had nannies before, but with yeah, school having Harry at school and and juggling that, and myself having to step into the schoolroom a couple of times, uh, a few times, and take that on board with not much, well, not much help, you know, trying to do school with a with a preschooler with a two year old and a six month old baby at foot. Some um, pretty challenging. Um, at times, yeah. It can be lonely at times. I was just wondering because that's the other thing is so you're both busy, you're I guess somewhat apart. Mm. You did bring over a bunch of staff with yep. you from Blina, yep. but and while you're friends with your staff, it is a different yeah, type of friendship. Definitely. So when you were able to go to drafts or go to um, community events, what was it like, I guess, trying to make friends as an adult? It's a, it was actually okay. We did Surprisingly, the community does um, – overlap a lot between the Kimberley and the Northern Territory. So we did uh, – we we already ha- – I did have a few friends here. Um, one of your bridesmaids. One of my bridesmaids, Tony, she yeah. lives in the Territory. And then, you know, we know Alex and Michael at Kalani. So, yeah, you do make new friendships, but we still, from my point of view, had a good social group. And, and joining School of the Air um, definitely gives you a bit of a community of all, especially when there's people like myself who are the, their first year at the school. So, um, yeah, there's a few that's kind of an, an easy thing. You know, you've got something in common straight away with having small children, but and then also drafting. I mean, I consider myself a pretty friendly sort of a person. I'll chat to anybody and have a laugh. So um, it was daunting, but it was actually okay. And I have to say um, – uh, Programs like Kicks, Catherine Isolated Children's Services. Um, they're like a traveling play group and they come to the station with a whole, a two people. At, there's two teams and they come, um, they're, they're a play group and you have, the, you can host the other stations or they'll just come with a whole variety of early childhood stuff, toys, books, Play Doh, everything. And so that's a really good community builder in itself, you know. You host them at, at your station or you can go across to another station. Um, and so if, even if you weren't a camp drafter, like, or have those extra friends, you could, you do have the opportunity to go, okay, there's somewhere close to me, Kicks is going to be, and they've got children my age. I can then, I can, is an open invitation to those who are around you to come. So I think in that way, Kicks is just such an amazing service. It's just, yeah, I, I really, I can't, I can't, I, I can't believe we, more rural areas, remote areas don't have a service like that. It's just unreal, bloody unreal. I know another service you want to speak about a little bit is Wavehill is not very far from a community called Kalkunji. Uh, yes. yes. Um, and you've had some good experiences with the medical <laughs> service there this year. Yes. Well, <laughs> I hope nobody calls child services on me, but <clears throat> our two-year-old, we say, like most Northern Territory Station families, we decided to get a pet donkey. Well, one of the boys procured one for me. Um, anyway, our two-year-old Imogen, we were feeding the ponies, as you do, and um, that copped a, a little bit of a hoof in the head from said pet donkey, whose name is Moses, um, and Emmy suffered a concussion, unfortunately, um, and 
thankfully, you know, Way feels very isolated, but medically we are actually less isolated than we were at Bliner. So I was able to, well, Matt actually, yeah, he just literally, it was good timing. He'd come in and I said, oh, I think him's not right. And so we just bundled her in the car and were able to take her 35 k's down the road to Kalkaringi Clinic and called them on the way and they were just ready. They had the, they had the DMO on the phone. The, all the medical staff were ready for us, just, you know, planning for the worst because they, all they'd sort of heard was a two year old with a kick to the head. Um, and they were unreal. They were just so good, um, with how organized they were and how, um, yeah. Yeah, I can't speak highly enough of the staff in there and such a wonderful service and the people are so kind. Um, and just a great, we've had very good experiences with the Calc Medical Clinic team. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful, great service. Considering the donkey's name was Moses, that yeah. wasn't a very Christian thing of it him wasn't, to do. It was not a very Christian thing <laughs> of him. What, uh, is Moses still around to tell Moses the tale Moses is today? still around to tell the tale, but Imogen won't go anywhere near him. Fair enough. This <laughs> <laughs> poor little thing. You Might know, you see all the valuable things. Valuable life lessons. Yeah, don't go near the back. Well, it wasn't even the back. I don't even know. We were there, but I was around the corner just um, dishing out feed and Abby was standing there, but had turned to check the baby and whoops, Moses got one in on him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, poor little thing. What? And you see all the, the crazy things and that Harrison does and Imogen's not the daredevil like Harrison is and it has to be Imogen that gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> now, as we start to get towards the tail end of the episode, mm-hmm. I also, I guess, want to give you a bit of an opportunity to speak about Jumbuck, which is the company mm-hmm. you've worked for for yep. 14 years now, or probably longer because you grew years. up on a Jumbuck place. Yep. Yep. Um, they bought Wayfield in partnership with some other people mm-hmm. Um but I know there's been a lot of support from them this year. Obviously, you wouldn't have been able to do the CapEx works that you've done without them. Like that's mm-hmm. all. I guess a lot of it's been driven yeah. by them. But yeah. And you've got their support and what you're trying to do as well. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's a really positive situation, Definitely. company situation, because we hear a lot of stories where managers on other corporate places aren't allowed they're to do things or with them and they're with getting them. told what to do by bean counters and head offices yeah. and there's a lot of disconnect there and it yeah. seems very different with you guys and the McLaughlins. Yeah, yeah well, you know, we're, we're very fortunate and in particular the director that we work for, Callum McLaughlin, is a very driven and reasonable person and he's got uh, big expectations but he, you know, he's got the got the guts to go hard at it yeah. and uh, – you know, and to do it properly, yeah. rather than sort of, rather than sort of, you know, just learnt that shortcuts never yeah. win out, and uh, you know, we certainly wouldn't be pulling on a job like that unless we had, you know, the sort of the respect, uh, the, you know, mutual respect with that with the principal. I don't and, think we and would the not confidence have, that they bring to the business. We would not have taken on Wave Hill for anybody else. We wouldn't have done it for anyone other than the McLaughlins and Jumbuck just because you know that they in I don't know if it's the right you know they have that put their money where their mouth is like there's Callum knows what he needs and what he wants and the the right way to do it and there's a lot of discussion isn't there Matt between management like you can pick up the there's you can pick up the phone to Callum and and talk something through yeah um, I, I think um I think I think this is the best way to describe it is that Callum and, and I and probably many of the other management other teams, you know, we're sort of we're on the same wavelength yeah. about sort of 90% of the job and the other 10% is good, it's healthy because we yeah. both keep challenging each other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if we sort of – if everyone was in agreement all the time with the thing at Plato, but yeah. uh, a little bit of, you know, like th- yeah. that's that's a good thing to challenge the – you know, to keep challenging each other. Um so that I think it works fantastically well, and you know we 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 thoroughly enjoy Jumbuck. They're yeah. they're a good, they're a family good based family company company, and I think that it's you see how long people stay and manage for Jumbuck. That says it all: how well they treat their people, and how well they treat their management, and our families. Mm. Um, you know, like our children and Callum. Every time he visits, he brings the kids a gift. Uh, and I think that just the fact that how long people stay on and manage for Jumbuck just speaks volumes about the company and the sort of people that the McLaughlins and the other shareholders now, um, what sort of people they are. 
Yeah, I don't know anything much about the sheep places, but I know that if you're waiting to get a management spot in the cattle places, you kind of it's kind of like if you want to go to boarding school, you got to put your kid in before you yeah. even get pregnant. Like you're going to be waiting a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. and that says it all about Jumbuck, I think, on these. On, well, in our in our our experience in in the within the cattle side of that company, and Matt's got a brother. Yeah, very fortunate to work people that have actually done the hard yards as well. Yeah, you know they've they've all sort of gone off and worked Managed. on stations and Callum themselves managed stations and yep. they understand the, the issues that we faced and they yep. you know that that's that's a, a unique thing when your yeah. directors have actually. You know, when they've, they've actually been wearing your shoes and they understand the, yep. the pressure you're under. Quite literally, Callum, well. Callum managed Bliner for a few years in the early when they first bought it. So quite literally in your shoes. Now, before at the very end, I'm going to ask you obviously about what's coming up next mm-hmm. year. I'm going to get a forecast. So obviously, we can do another episode. No more babies. End of next year. <laughs> there's no more babies. No more babies. <laughs> we are done. <laughs> but I know there's one funny story to share this year. Yeah. One that we've deemed appropriate to share. I'm sure there's been many funny moments. <laughs> With that amount of people on the place, you can't oh, not have a few so many. few tales to go down in yes. history. But. Uh, <laughs> There's a certain grader driver that deserves a special mention. Yeah. I don't know if he wants us to say his name, but we just call him the grader driver. We call him Dangerous Dan. Um, <laughs> I think let's try the best way to describe this. So he, my father, Ross, and I were out in the very back blocks, the wilds of Wave Hill, um, doing a bore run, and then we arrived at an intersection um, in the road and – you know, we're a bloody long way from anywhere and driving right at us was a police car which were, was on its way to – we spoke to them and, you know, we we shook hands and met and they were on their way to deal with an issue at a remote community and, and then uh, suddenly at the third road that met at this intersection in the middle of nowhere arrived um, our Dan. greater driver grading a road and uh, – He's an interesting guy, you know, mostly when the air cons stop in a, in a, a bit of earth moving gear, most operators tell you they're, the they're not going near out. it until it's, you know, all fixed. However, given Danny being such a good guy, you know, he sort of understood the pressure under and the time constraints and that we needed to keep grading. So then your second option is they grade, but they leave the doors open, <laughs> which means all the electrics get oh. full of dust and a whole heap of other problems. The air con gets buggered. Uh, you know, more than it can be, but the, so what he was doing was, uh, driving with the doors shut, shut. but in his jocks. <laughs> so sweating, sweating. So we're there, we've met the cops in the middle of the nowhere and they're like, what are you doing here? And they're like, what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> and then, and then this naked grader driver rocks up <laughs> and everyone goes, what are you doing? <laughs> It was quite, quite hilarious. Did he have, thing. Like, did just, he have socks You wouldn't and read boots about on? this in like, most remote I'd, parts Let's just Australia, imagine that he so. does. So it's like socks, boots and jocks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> How good. And he's like a – he's not like a – he's a tall, skinny guy. So that just adds to that. Did he get out of the grader to come yeah. say good day? Of course he would have. Just yeah. he's so a very friendly man. Very friendly man. So very he didn't friendly. he didn't try and chuck anything on before he jumped out. He just no. jumped. I imagine so. Hello. <laughs> the cops would have been like, of all the things we've yeah. seen in the see desert. in the middle of nowhere. We see these guys, first of all, and then we see this guy. <laughs> Please tell me you got the air con fixed for him. Yeah, yeah. no, of course. Of course. Of yes. course. He was under no obligation to work like that. He chose to. He's yeah, just a good man. He's a good man. He's a company man. <laughs> Question is, did he put clothes back on when the air con was working again? Reluctantly. Uh, I think he was quite reluctant. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Cool. Oh, well, I will background. plan my visits out next year when he's <laughs> way out in the desert grading, and I'll just come straight to the homestead. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. All right. So, final question, I guess. Um, this year, massive year. I remember when you guys said, I don't know if you said it on the podcast, but you told me last year when you're going away, you're planning on basically not breathing for the first three years, like just head down, bum up, yeah, smash it out, just until yeah. things get settled. So. Next year, hopefully not as crazy as this year, but yeah. what does it look like for you, I guess, in terms of infrastructure and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, still busy, yeah. but not as busy. Yeah, no, still plenty. Um, still plenty, though. So try and do another 15 to 20 solars, mm. monos across the solars. 
And then we've got um, – the, so that's on our the existing stuff. And we've probably got another 15 or so turkey nests that need to be replumbed, like we were talking about before. Um, and then we've got fencing. over 100 k's of fencing planned next year. So is that um, new fencing or new replacing? Fencing? Yep. 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 Repl- so as in replacing, half of it's replacing and half of it will be new. Uh, but the stuff that's being replaced kind of being realigned, like rejigged to change some grazing radiuses and stuff. And – Doing some yard extensions and cooler. One big new yard out in this uh, block that we just recently walked four thousand heifers out to. That that needs a big cattle yard out there, and we've already done a, a you know cleared a line for a haul road to get out there. Um, and then we, we're going to try and whack up a couple of paddocks to the south. So and that that involves drilling. We've got to get the water first, clear lines for access and for the drill rig get the water and then start putting the fences up. So and then those then we need to follow with tanks, troughs and in due course yards. And then obviously, you know, stock it. Yep. So there's so we keep so we've sort of that's we start all, heading not south. All next year, but that's sort of what yeah. is to come. The first sort of in, stage in, of it anyway. Yeah, so the first stages of that. Yeah. So there's you know, and there's sort of, you know, boundary fences to do and, you know, there's there's a heap a heap of things and, you know, we've got a we got to sort of keep pushing on with the cattle program mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, Bearing in mind, this all happens in conjunction with with all your normal mustering, the first and second round of mustering. That's it. So yeah, plenty to go on with next year. There's not going to be any shortage of work at mm. Wave Hill. Yep. Okay, I lied. I have one more question, which <laughs> you would know from being on the podcast before. <laughs> so looking back on this year, what would you say is the big lesson that you've learned? I reckon um, for me is like. Trust your staff, give them the opportunity and they'll grow into it. Like help them, train them, but give them the the opportunity. Like we had sort of so many people this year that were punching at a level well above their experience. Mm, yeah, and absolutely. we sort of, you know, threw the reins to a lot of young people this year uh, to help achieve all of this. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time they get it right. Like, yeah. they, you know, there's obviously a few hiccups, but uh, – they, it sort of brings out a bit of confidence in them and Absolutely. they grow into it. So I think that's probably something like that I've sort of known for a long time, but it was just really a hat to this year and, uh, you know, more than ever. And it was, it sort of paid off. It was bloody, it, I think that was great. I think mine's been patience and learning to be patient and emphasizing probably patience and, um, how important good concise communication is especially you know relaying messages and and just in general with what you're wanting people to do for you those two things patience and communication have been probably the two biggest things that I've not learnt or realized how important they are on when you're running these places all right well I- patience with your husband also well <laughs> <laughs> that's just a look on Matt's face <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on the show again. And I guess I'll see you at the end of next year and we'll do another. We'll just have to do an annual check-in now. Hopefully can- you'll see us before then. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but but I won't make you do another podcast until then, unless something yes. really cool happens. <laughs>